Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is Dennis Terrell of Terrell Knifeworks, and you and I are listening to the Work For It podcast, where the emphasis is on business in the workshop. You can support these guys for as little as $1 a month or $12 a year, and show your support by going to patreon.com forward slash work for it to find out more. $12 a year? That won't even buy two gallons of gasoline here in California. You might as well support these guys like I do so they can help us all work for it. Hey, you're listening to the Work For It podcast. It's Brian House here, and this show and all future and past shows have been sponsored by the beautiful people over at Patreon. So just like Dennis says in the beginning of the show, if you got some value or entertainment out of this show and you feel like you want to contribute for as little as $10.80 a year, you can join our Patreon and get 52 after shows that no one else gets to hear where we answer your questions and uh, discuss uh, maybe some non-so-popular opinions. Also... Baker, Forge, and Tool. If you're not familiar with Baker, Forge, and Tool, they make some of the most interesting Damascus billets in their shop. And they make, uh, I would say, groundbreaking steel. So if you're looking oh, for yeah. that next next piece of very unique steel, make sure you go to BakerForge.com. And if you use WFI10 at checkout, you'll get 10% off your purchase. And this Saturday, the 21st, of January at 8 p.m., they are dropping the Raindrop and Wavy Tiger My Steel, a bronze and copper Damascus mix for the cladding over an 80 CRV2 core offered in both Wavy and Raindrop patterns. Make sure you go check out Baker Forge and Tool on all social media platforms TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And finally, Mr. Lawrence Lake over at Maritime Knife Supply. He has been supporting our show and our work for almost a year now in the Work For It podcast. We appreciate him. He's a maker, and he's also one of the best retailers in the business. Make sure if you need something for your next project, make sure you go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com and tell Lawrence that Brian, Ben, and Brian, the three Work For It amigos, sent you. Hit it, Brian! Let's do it, baby! Work for it! Ha ha ha! Time is now. That, no I love delay. the fact that you're bringing the yelling back. I like that. Yeah, well, I'm, it's good. I'm, my health is returning. It I've is. been uh, eating healthy. I've been losing weight. Uh, I've been really trying my best to keep my caloric intake at a certain level so that I can drop some pounds. I started feeling... Very old manish and very achy and fat and just uh, wanted to do something for my health. So, you know, I'm on my feet all day, Brian. I'm, I'm working real hard, running around the shop all the time. So I'm getting lots of exercise. It's not that. It's just I love food. Dude. I love food. I love wine. I love all these things that make me not so healthy. Brian, so I, hey. I, don't you dare call this a New Year's resolution, Come Brian. On, I already man. know where the fuck you're this going with this. Bullshit. Do not do this. You talk so much shit about New Year's resolutions, and I'm on the same boat <laughs> as you. And here you all <laughs> just are so in January, dropping weight, feeling better. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, hey, yep, yep, yep. listen. It just so happens on January 1st of 2023, I decided that I was going to get healthy. It has nothing to do with the actual beginning of the year. It had nothing to do with the New Year's resolution. Resolution, bitch. It's not a race. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, shit. It's all a big coincidence. I don't believe in that. Conspiracy is what it is. That's right. You can continue to believe whatever you want to believe, but the narrative is... Then I I control the fucking narrative. Don't believe. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I control the narrative. So anyway, all right. Let me ask you guys something. And Brian, maybe you, you probably will remember these. This was a product that was super popular back in the I would say like the mid to early nineties. Okay. That kind of carried into the early two thousands. And w- w- wait, what year were you born, Brian? 93. 93. Okay. So, but you might remember these. I mean, maybe your parents had one. Do you guys remember those devices that people used to put on their steering wheels called the club? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. What? To keep people from... St- I'm, club, I'm interested, man. Brian, if you remember them at all. Do you remember the... They were an anti-theft device. It was like Oh, a wait. Red... Hold on. 
was it one of those like it was like a bar with some hooks on yes, it sir. that you could like yeah. lock Red. into it? Yes. Yep. That's oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, you leave your fucking keys on the seat. Just put the club on the steering wheel, you know. (laughs) Everything's good, bitch. Now, let me ask you. This is another interesting question. Did either of you own one and use one? No. The only thing going to steal our car was a fucking deer or an elk, so we didn't need it. See, my trick is the trick is is if you just have a shitty car, nobody wants to steal it. (laughs) Oh, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I grew up in a place that pretty much any car was fair game for like a joyride situation so i owned one i had an aries k i don't know if you guys remember the the dodge aries i had a k car and uh terrible engine lifter noise like engine knock and bullshit going on in that car but it ran fine like it never had any trouble it was just a really terrible looking car k cars were yeah yeah, they ran fine they were they they were like the the most popular car for demolition derbies you know (laughs) <laughs> that are like a monstrous boat-sized Cadillac because it could take so much fucking impact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, and and I I will say that I used a club because I had to. And the <laughs> only reason I bring this up is that Sarah and I at night, like after dinner, after we do like our day end thing around eight nine o'clock, we we're we're always trying to like watch some shows or you know whatever streaming mm-hmm. at the time. And we got into the Peacock app, which for five yeah. bucks a month, you can Pretty be good. a member of the Peacock. It's And it's fucking good. Yeah, I mean, good. if you look at the selection of, of stuff that's on there, I was paying like $90 a month to Hulu for ad-free, which, yeah. by the way, is not ad-free. No, it's not. They just, and, partly, oh, it's a they joke. just botch them all together and... You know, yeah. If you ever want me want to see the vein on my forehead pop out, it's when I'm watching a Hulu show that I paid for non-commercial <laughs> and there's a three-minute commercial every five minutes during that show. And Sarah's just like, well, it's just, you know, we want to watch this show and it's only on Hulu. And I'm like, we pay for non-commercial. We pay $90 a month for this hunk of shit app. Oh, my God. And it's, and, and it's like supposed to be commercial free and it's filled with yeah, commercials kind of so if you read the freaking fine print on it you'll find out that non-commercial means less commercials right and less. the thing that not, pisses not me no off, commercials when you're watching normal ass television like you get a big variety of commercials when you're streaming it's the same three commercials over and over Bro. and over again you're that kills speaking me. my language oh you're preaching to the choir it does kill me so here's what Pe- peacock does peacock does uh, basically like a 15 to 30 second ad, like every 10, 15 minutes. And it's not terrible yeah, it's not because bad. they, it's really just one little tiny ad in there yeah. anyway. So we decided to jump on the peacock train. We got on the cock and we started <laughs> streaming. Right. right. And, and, so uh, we, we started watching there, right? Yellowstone is on there. That 70 show. If you haven't yeah. revisited that 70 show, you really need to. I was working for Fox TV at the time and visited the uh, the studio where that was shot numerous times. That was really fun. And the uh, the the cream of the crop, of course, is The Office, the American version of The Office, right? And there's an the episode. Yeah, <laughs> bring the cock, baby. And there's an episode where Dwight is sitting in his car. He's all pissed off about something. And, and you know that Camaro, that maroon Camaro that he drives around in? Oh, yeah. And he's got the club on his steering wheel. Like, this is like 2009 (laughs) or 10 or something like that. And Dwight's sitting in his car with the club installed. So it reminded me of that. And I thought for sure somebody still must be either using those or owning one or whatever. Dollar dollar General, you know? I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. It's a big, heavy piece of steel that locks your steering wheel into place. You can't drive with this thing on. So if anybody remembers the club, oh, that's, that funny. was the way that's to keep your car from being man. stolen. That is nostalgia. Oh, when you're at the club, send us a picture to see if you're still using it. Have, I can't even remember the last time I saw one of those things. You know, I moved to like a nicer place yeah. and it was like, I don't need that I anymore. Know, I'm I trying to just... think too. Cause I feel like it's one of those things. Like I feel like I've seen it recently, but maybe it's just, that nostalgic. I don't know. It's weird. It was in your dreams. Kind of a strange device. You were dreaming of the club. I mentioned Dollar General. <laughs> have you have you noticed? So this is an observation I've had recently. That that Dollar General is sort of silently infiltrating everywhere. 
<laughs> oh yeah. You mean the store? Yeah. You're talking yeah. about the stores? It's almost as if it's like the new general store for the middle of fucking nowhere, right? Like small podunk mm. towns in the West will have a Dollar General. And I'm thinking Here's they're just Here's a testament to everywhere. that. Back, you know, driving to from uh, Mount Pleasant to Auburn mm-hmm. for an hour every day. When I started doing that, there were no Dollar Generals mm. on that one road. Now there's three. See, mm. I I don't know if anybody's noticing this. Like, do, do we need to pay attention? There's one right down the street from my shop, Buy man. Some stock? And they, like during the I mean, right after the hurricane, they were the only store. Open. I know. That's, yeah. It's kind of it was wild. And and in reality, right? I mean, they got a little bit of everything. It is kind of like a general store. You can get anything from medicine to food to fucking, you know, tampons or whatever, or plates, yeah, dishes, forks, you name it. I mean, they got a do little guys, bit of it all. Do you guys have st- the store called Five Below? No. Yes. It's kind of like a dollar store, but it's $5 and below. Not here. <laughs> and Wait for, get, get ready shitty. for this. Yeah, get ready for this. There's shit in there that is more than $5. Oh, what? And I'm sorry, but you're, the name of your store is five and below. Yeah. Right. So why do I see $25 items in your store? I'm calling you the fuck out right now. This is bullshit. <laughs> Bitches. <laughs> Bitches. Anyways, all right, I didn't mean to get off on that tangent. I've oh, got a topic for today's show because I want to discuss this, and I know some of our listeners are going to be interested and also possibly have some information in regards to this topic, Ooh. and that is... And I know you do, Ben, because you have one. It's like the ShopBot thing. But I'm what I want to talk about is I want to buy a CNC router setup for my workshop. Mm-hmm. And I'm heavily leaning towards the Onefinity system, mm-hmm. which is coming out of mm-hmm. Canada mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. They have system. this... They have this amazing system. It's not expensive. It's like four thousand yep. dollars, I think, shipped to your they're shop or whatever. Incredibly innovative. <clears throat> they're, yeah, they're pushing. They're, pushing. they're a young, small company yeah. like Housemate. Yeah. I, 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 I've been following them. They're very similar. They built, started in a garage. They, yep. you know, did this whole thing. Not saying that this is the one I'm gonna get, but I need to get something in that vein. I don't want to pay ten grand. Shopbot's no, 10, no. 12, 14 so grand. The one I don't want to pay that. So the thing with the Shopbot that I'll say. Um, and how do I put so so shopbot represents an entire package so it is literally soup to nuts everything and anything that you need to operate the machine do the design work everything on day one right it shows up it's assembled it's ready to roll you got a software license you've got the whole kit and caboodle right but um my one criticism of ShopBot is that they have not been extremely innovative in the uh, sort of professional to semi-professional. Well, I shouldn't say in this in the hobbyist to semi-professional range, right? Um, they're just not pushing that envelope. ShopBot does a ton of stuff for industry. You know, if you're a gunstock manufacturer and you need a custom CNC solution, that's ShopBot's bread and butter, right? But ShopBot's running control software that somebody wrote 25 years ago, and it hasn't changed a yeah. bit. Whereas, have you seen the controller on 150? Yeah. They use that. Um, what's it called? Um, they use an Xbox controller, and not, yeah, uh, they've got their own now, their own proprietary right. controller, which which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And okay, let's take a step back. Yeah. Let me tell you what we what we're doing. So you know, we bought say, this yeah. expensive. We bought the expensive vertical milling center from See, Haas. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a that vertical is, milling. I thought you're you're buying a CNC machine that was a hundred thousand dollars, and I was like, why the hell do you need a small one? Well, this is a that's a great question, Brian, and I'll explain yeah. that. So, the vertical milling center that we bought from Haas is uh, will be dedicated to projects that we're going to do for Housemade, and one of those things is we are going to start a production knife line. So mm-hmm. Brent Yo. and I are uh, ramping up. Uh, we're having all of our uh, some of these blades uh, water jetted out and then delivered to us. And we'll be doing a lot of the the like harder stuff that you you know that would take a lot a lot of time by hand uh, on the CNC, the vertical milling center, and that'll all be for ferrous materials mm-hmm. and things like aluminum, brass. And we're going to come out with a line of uh, extra tooling. There's a whole bunch of stuff we're in the in the process of designing right now. How's the that carbon one fiber thing, work in there? 
Uh, well, that's the that's a good question because that this is where I'm headed with this. The thing you don't want to do or shouldn't do is put these woods or G10s yeah, or carbon mess. fiber in this vi- vertical milling center because of the dust and then the liquid flush, the cooling system. Yeah. It has a tendency to build up in that system, and then it doesn't work, and you have well, to have and special filters and all this shit. Well, I think you could do it more efficiently and effectively on a, a router-based machine as well, right? I agree like, 100%. Corey Stanley was saying, you know, like with his machine, his um, CNC lathe, basically, you know, he's like, it. he's had people interested in industry interested in it because it's a less expensive solution and so oftentimes they find they've got their hundred thousand dollar machine is tied up doing all this complex shit but they have a lot of menial shit like you know carving the handle or making the scales or the whatevers that and you don't need yeah you don't need it and you'll never get time to do it so then when you do put it on the hundred thousand dollar machine it's like well this is fucking waste you know yeah i mean this and it's dusty and it's dirty and it clogs your filtration system so we really want to avoid that Mm -hmm. so that's why i'm looking at the onefinity system yeah because the the makita router is a quarter and a horsepower it's plenty to do woods and you could do a um so pwncnc is uh third-party manufacturer of, uh, I guess, I, for lack of a better term, I call them accessories. He's got a full spindle kit for the Onefinity um, that puts you in a one-horsepower spindle, water-cooled uh, spindle. So, you know, I think I'll run all day. What's the advantage <clears throat> of going to that versus the Makita, which is a horse and a quarter? Well, so... Is there a difference? You're, a, difference? you're getting into a water-cooled spindle. For one, ah, I see, I see. Uh, endless, um, <clears throat> endless speed control, right? So Makita, you've got the little dial, ah, and you're kind of guessing, ah, what's my speed? You know, you've got feeds and speeds. Those are the two big things that control cut quality, right? <clears throat> if the the more precision you can add to your speed control of the the bit spinning, the better gotcha. finish you could have. Right. So I'm so fucking glad I brought this up. That makes a mm-hmm. ton of sense. Now that makes a lot of yeah. sense. I'm, lo- I'm, by the way, I'm looking at his website. The spindle kit yep. is $874. Yeah. So it's really not, not terrible. terrible. And, and, yeah. you know, if you're looking at, I mean, a machine like that'll make its money back so quick w- with a specific application like you've got. Right. I mean, um, my problem is I'm I don't have that specific application that I'm always trying to get the CNC to do, but you know if you've got stuff you're cranking out, man, you'll that 800 bucks is a drop in the hat. Uh, but it yeah, also you can add water cooling for 50 bucks. Yep. It it says here that with that uh, right you, you could expect do, to get even go up to a 2.2 kilowatt. Yeah, you could expect to get spindle. parts off of that that don't require any additional finish work right no sanding That's no nothing the key. you know wow. depending on how you do your uh you know and you would depending on how you do your milling setup essentially at the end you do a finishing pass right or several finishing passes uh and you're taking off just you know a gnat's ass of material and man you can dial that shit right in i mean Corey just posted about his those gun stock things he was making, and yeah, I don't think he probably touched sandpaper to them, you know. Wow! So you look at that, yeah. it's like, and that's whew. that's the that's what we're looking into here is getting fully automated, yeah. and it's, you know, setting up the the haws to be, uh, you know, putting primary bevels on and stuff. Then we'll send everything off to heat treat, and then it'll come back around. And then the other thing is, is if if somebody wanted to do a knife and put it into production, they could bring us the concept. And then we would be able to, you know, there's a lot of companies that do this. I don't know any knife makers, really. I'm not very plugged into that. It's a shame. I wish you did. uh, It's really a shame. I wish I knew some. wish you knew some good knife makers anyway. Oh, oh, (laughs) God damn, Ben. (laughs) Oh, shit. Well, think about it, right? You've got all these Chinese companies overseas yeah. uh, let's call them overseas companies because not all in china there's some in india and there's mm-hmm. you know the where the labor cost is less and they offer this service yep. where you send them an, a concept and then they make it and then you know they ship it back to you 
but there's a stigma associated with well, sending work yeah. overseas right now. And here, and and, and by the way, this is going to lead me into a whole nother area of discussion. Oh, I got one too. And yeah. that is, <laughs> that is that we are now in the beginning of the fourth industrial revolution. Here we are. And mm-hmm. anybody that wants to argue this fact with me i'm i'm happy to argue it with you mm-hmm. because i've done a ton of research on this and by the way the people who are at the front lines the forefront of this movement is you is me and yeah. all the maker community don't forget it we have begun the fourth revolution thrown into this by the way by the pandemic and the coronavirus mm-hmm. and all these other things and that we now as generations Generation X, one of the one of the next, we're the next step up. We're about ready to be handed the keys from the the uh, baby boomer generation to the United States economy, the North American economy. And you know what? We all remember. We remember our fathers flying over to China to set up cheap labor factories, and then mm-hmm. ten years later, all we got was straight shit. Yeah. We got garbage, <clears throat> cheap goods that are throwaway. We've got landfills. We've got uh, economic and industrial disasters all around us that we had to clean up. Yep. And now we're we're saying to ourselves, what what's the next step here? The next step is to bring jobs back to the United States. Yep. And how the fuck are we going to do that? We have to make One things here time, again. Baby. Make See, things. I thought it it's was different. the I thought it was the millennials that always shit talk the boomers. No, now here here you no. guys are. I'm not shit talking the boomers. It, okay. Here here's here don't take it like yeah. that because I'm really not. And here's the and here's the here's the thing. My father it, regrets regrets yeah. what he did. And he he knows that the he said like but, but how do here's you, the thing. How do you prevent My, it at but, the time, you know? But, you but yeah, you don't because here's here's the thing. You they they what they were doing what they had no idea. They these guys were a bunch of talking head suits. They were handed projects. They're like, hey, we're going to save 20% of well, like, our labor are fees if we go over to China. They, they, they were like, we are now. How do we continue to make more things? You know, How do we continue to advance our trade, our craft, our whatever? And it was, I mean, no one's going to turn that opportunity down, right? Like to create twice as much for half as much. <laughs> they had good intentions. Yeah. And I know that it was money driven. Yeah. And I, I, I understand how that works. Yeah. Capitalism. Yeah. I get it. it. But these guys did not have, you know, the, the binoculars to look far yeah, enough no, ahead. Nobody, nobody, Hindsight's 2020. Nobody, uh, yes. nobody called called timeout or you know nobody called an audible and said hold hold the fucking phone here let's just think about it for a minute collectively i'm sure there was you know i'm sure there was, was some, some people but they probably but then the they, they're the ones, jeff goldblums yeah. of the of the jurassic parks going uh, uh hey guys okay. what happens when they all get loose yeah. you know and, and, and everybody said, fucking dies at they'll the never get fucking loose <laughs> you know we're better than that god damn it <laughs> exactly and they all get eaten right so but you know the, here here's go ahead. here's one thing that i want to I, w- I really want to impress on our audience the people who are doing this work is that it's gonna seem really hard at first yeah. to push through that barrier of you know when we discuss this a <clears> lot we talk about how, uh, you know, how is somebody going to buy a knife from me for $300 when they can buy virtually the same knife for 55 or $60 mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. an overseas manufacturer? You got to show them more. And the, the, the answer is the person you're selling it to has a choice. Yeah. They have a choice and they're voting with their dollars. And I fully, fully believe that these generations, including the millennials, are all going to go, Holy shit! We have the choice. We yeah. can do this now, and they're starting. And, to. and in fact, they're doing they it. Are. Oh, they're yeah. way doing it. I mean, they're even doing it. I, I've I've been picking up on it. I mean, I'm I'll preach this shit to anybody that I can that'll stand still for five seconds, you know. Um, and just the other day, I was at the dentist, you know, and he starts peaking an interest about, oh, uh, you know, so how do these YouTubers make money? And 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 it it's losing its sarcastic sting. People are legitimately yeah. interested, like, how the fuck does this work? Because clearly it does, 
right? Well, um, here's the thing. When I was growing up, everyone wanted to be an astronaut or a race yeah. car driver. Now, yeah. people want to be YouTubers. Yeah. People want to be influencers. Sam, right now. They want to be makers. The, the difference, they want to be makers. The difference between Sam and Jack, Jack's 12, Sam's 7, right? So just that age gap, there is an incredible difference in, like, Sam is YouTube, 100% Sam will watch YouTube all fucking day, three minutes, skip to the next video, never finish one. Jack will fully sit down and watch an entire movie. Jack is much more inclined to be out here making shit than Sam. <laughs> mm. it's, it's just so weird how that works. And everybody, all of Sam's friends, like their movie stars are YouTubers. You know? Yeah. Yes, that's right. And I think it's kind of... It's kind of neat in a way because there is a lot of creation going on on YouTube. It's not all just vlogs and happy-go-lucky bullshit, right? Like Sam, Chrissy and I like debate about it all the time. Like he watches too much screen. Yeah, every kid does. Every parent says that. I said, but I'm honestly really fucking torn because he learns a hell of a lot from watching YouTube. You know, like I went in the other oh, day yeah. and he's he's watching that fucking rainfall projects over in Oregon build some goddamn thing in his fucking barn. And I'm going, that's a video I would watch, you know, but you couldn't convince me at seven years old to watch Marty Stoffer's nature hour with my old man. <laughs> Cause that's what he wanted to watch, you know? So it's just crazy to me how that, like those barriers are, I think something I would add to your comments earlier is that it may happen and you may not recognize it, right? Like this new revolution is happening, but it looks so different than it ever has before that it's hard to recognize at some level. Um, Getting back. Well, we've never had to do I know. it. I mean, you've never had to take it back. You, and you usually know, it's just it's, a big smoking factory pumping out pollution everywhere, right? But. It, it's different this time. It's, it's, you know, happening in garages. It's happening uh, in dribs and drabs here and there. And, and big business is yeah. happening in small places. It's crazy. Harley Davidson, Apple, yeah. Google, all these big companies. And, and you look back when before all the manufacturing left Ford, all of these places started in a small you know, mm -hmm. small containment, you know, centers where there was very little happening. They did it because they loved doing it. They saw a market, they took it, they made it better. They built something and then it grew into what it is today. And see, my generation doesn't know what that's like no. because we never got a chance to see it. Nope. Well, then all of a sudden now, a lot of our, a lot of us Gen Xers are in our late thirties and forties and we're, we have a little bit of money. We worked really hard. We know what it's like to work for a corporate entity or live inside of an office cubicle hmm. where you want to kill yourself hmm. because you've been, you know, just pushing a pencil your whole life. And you go, hold on a minute. The door is open now. I can go and do that. I can make a different. I can make something and sell it online. It's a beautiful time to be alive and to be a maker. And you are a part of that next revolution. Yeah. The industrial revolution of the 20, what are we in? The 22nd century? 21st century. 21st, baby. Ooh. So century. getting back to where we started on this conversation, you know, with you doing the mass-produced knives in, yeah. in, your, in your shop. So mm -hmm. I guess, you know, if you're going to do a mass-production line, your options are either go overseas and do it for cheaper or be able to stamp made in the USA on the side of your knife, Tool up. which is incredibly valuable and send it That's over right. to Brian house. Or, you know, I imagine there's other people doing the same type of setup, but I mean, and they're all extremely busy because I've talked right? to them all yeah. and they all have way more work than they know what to deal with. So, and I'm not saying that my, my CNC will be for hire right now, but what I'm saying is, is I'm starting the process of building a company that will be able to do that. And most likely, here's what will happen. I will have a CNC in my shop. Well, we'll run the prototypes and we'll make the prototypes and then I'll hand them over to my machine shop and I'll, cause they have all the same machines mm -hmm. and, but they've got 40 guys in there working yeah. and I'll say, I need a thousand of these. Yeah. I need, mm -hmm. you know, 500 of these or I need whatever. And then we work out a price 
And yeah, all the steel, all the parts, everything sourced in the United States and made and manufactured and shipped in the United States. And I think that that's going to be a very valuable service to a lot of people. So it kind of sounds like you're going to need to hire a few people just to keep that running while you're doing Dude, we could hire people right now. Yeah, I I will tell you, I need to hire. And, and, but I'm, what I'm doing is very slowly integrating that concept in, I don't know. I, there, like we've talked about, or I talked about it on the solo show a while back about fear Mm -hmm. and, you know, employees being the highest overhead cost of a lot of this. So I tend to lean on outsourcing services rather than bringing people in because of, you know, the management problem. I have no patience to manage people. I am not. You've done a lot of it too. You know, it's like, Oh, I fucking hate it. Yeah. Yeah, I did that for almost 15 years, and I, man, I lost my shit at the end. Like, it was just not good. And and I think it's just because I'm, number one, I'm a huge asshole. I mean, that's just (laughs) really what it amounts to is that I have no patience for your ego. I have no sympathy for your, for your non-empathy. I mean, come to, to, come to fucking work, do your fucking job. Everybody will make money. We'll all be here together. Don't call in sick too much, you know? all normal shit mm-hmm. but people can't fucking do that it might be just because it's the state of florida we're all on be. island time down here well Dude, you know i had don't to, be, all my don't best be employees were brent transplants like come on no don't brent's not a floridian brent's, like not a floridian. brent's great come on brent now. is from texas that's why he's so good <laughs> well you know that's kind uh, of though i mean growing up in a very industrial manufacturing boom town right is and we've talked about it as well on the show is is that manufacturing is a web and, and you can't realistically maybe, I mean, you can, but it's hard to do it all. Right. So it's hard to be the fabricator, the heat treater, the knife handler, you know, to to do all of that. And so building a web around yourself, uh, you know, through your machine shop or your wood shop or whatever, I mean, that's how they got it done in the past. And, and I don't think that changes at all moving into the future. Some of it's just not wanting or needing to manage all those fucking people and all those different skills. Sure. But some of it is also that that's the most effective and efficient way to do it. If I hire a machine shop to run all my parts, I got to deal with one guy. Yeah. He has to deal with the 40 guys making all the right. shit. You know what I right. mean? And that's way better for me because I can stroke a check to him and say, figure it yep. out. And if you don't do your job, that check disappears. Yep. And with an employee, our employer's laws now are so, I mean, state of Florida is great. Like it's a work at work or what they call right to work state. And so it's great where you don't have to prove anything. You can just say, look, you you looked at me wrong. You're gone. You know, and I've done that. I've just, Mm -hmm. for other reasons, I'm not like that, but like it, to me, it's just people take advantage of that situation. And I've had people take advantage of me before and it makes me very angry And then I just lose patience for everyone around yeah. and whatever else. But the, the good news is, is that a lot of this, the things that we're talking about involve machines, which are essentially robots. Yep. And you know what a robot doesn't do? Talk back, call in sick. Yep. You know, it'll break, but you can yeah. fix it. You know, that kind of thing. Whereas people have personalities and you have to manage that. And I just, like I said, the, every year I get older, I get worse and worse at it. Yeah. <laughs> I try so hard, man, but uh, I'm just like, you. I just don't have. So it. what are I your what are your thoughts on? So you're bringing in this big hoss, um, mm-hmm. with, um, I mean, you you've got some some experience, but are you guys gonna school up on it or bring somebody in? Or? Yep, yep, yep. There's a program through Haas that nice. they. Uh, send somebody here, oh, and sweet. they spend a few days with you and get you ramped up. I mean, um, you're the proficient in fusion and everything else, which I assume oh, yeah. feeds right into it, right? Hey, man, YouTube University. Yeah, there yeah. is a ton of data yeah. on CAD and CAM, and so and you know we've are, I always I do a lot of the I do all the CAM yep. for my 2D machines, yeah. and it's just adding a third dimension really. But it's more about feeds and speeds. Now, yeah. the, here's the cool thing. The machine shop guy that I hired to make all our parts now, he's like, you know, I asked him about it and stuff. He's like, hey, I'll come over and, and you know, work with you on yeah. it and show you feeds and speeds and all this stuff. And he's a fusion guy as nice. well. So he doesn't use SolidWorks or anything. He uses fusion. And we've and he's also offered to have me come to his shop and just 
hang out and work with his guys oh, nice. and see how they do, yeah. you know? So yeah, there's a lot of support. And the reason is, and get this, the reason is, is because he's so fucking busy. Yeah. He's like, I, he now, so we teamed up with him. Then he bought the rest of his building. So now he would, he had half the building. He bought the other half. Okay. And he's expanding into it now and adding a whole bunch more machines. So he'll have 6,000 square feet. Oh my God. And yeah. he is one of the, he's young, like a younger, like me a little bit, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm old for, you know, but whatever he's like in his forties yep. and he's like, bro, this is what I got. He's like, I want to do this. He's like, let's do this. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, he blew me away with that because he believes so much in what Housemate is doing yeah. that he was willing to That's invest awesome. another million dollars in real estate just to yeah. expand his company so he could add more machines yeah. because he also believes that we are in the fourth industrial I revolution. Do you, do you think our, and all of it's coming back here. Do you think our grandfathers would, would have ever thought, right, like that we'd be back here because they kind of probably at the, at the tail end of their lives, right. They probably, they saw the sunset of manufacturing and I, I can't imagine like once you see that it would be hard to imagine it ever coming back at any level. Right. That, well, they were so pissed off. I don't know if you ever talked to yeah. the world war two generation oh, yeah. and how pissed off they yeah. were about that. Yeah, yeah my, they, they saw it, what was happening and they, right? they hated it. My, and, pa- my yeah. grandpa, my Papa had a, he was a tool and die. They had a tool and die shop. So basically they would service all the plants, you know, or a number of plants, not all of them. There were other tool and die shops, but, you know, they would go around and, and build and service dyes for the powdered metal industry, pressing, you know, the metal press industry. And he had his own small little tool and die shop and was really passionate about it. But I think, yeah, towards the end, you know, you start to just get bitter. And I think, but it's kind of, you're watching a whole generation of people sell, sell your hundreds of years worth of work that you did. It's just cool. And they're all selling it off to go overseas. And then, you know, it didn't take a genius to figure out what was going to happen. Like I grew up in a town filled with empty, massive, empty Mm -hmm. factories that are still empty. 18% 18% unemployment, massive drug abuse, yep. corruption on the from the government level all the way up to the police to the city hall. Yeah. You got all these problems. You got a million people living in an area that is just absolutely dangerous and, yeah. and downtrodden and the people are beat up and they don't know what to do. And it's all a result of, and you know, by the way, they're the biggest purchasers of all this cheap Chinese shit because mm-hmm. that's all they can sure. afford. I don't mean to use Chinese. I'm sorry. I should no, say overseas because it's not just Chinese, but it's overseas stuff and it's and and they have no choice. We have been left now with this. And by the way, you know, there's a lot of guys that tout the same rhetoric, but it's the truth. Yeah. You know, if you think about I'm not like I'm not a right winger or left winger. I'm right in the middle. I see what happened. I was on the front lines of it. And now I'm actually on the front lines of rebuilding yeah. it. And I now I have hope. I have a ton of hope for this system because I'm watching a an enormous amount of people step up to the plate and put their money where their mouth is and say, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. Right. I want to mm-hmm. change how this goes because I care about what's happening with my kids and future generations. I want to see this country stand on its own two feet again, because during the, the pandemic, we were not able no. to. We were ha- we had a really hard time. You couldn't even wipe yeah. your own ass. You couldn't even find toilet paper. Yeah. If that wasn't an Huge eye opener to people, it it sure as hell should have been, right? I mean, it, it damn near. Broke I still us. love my bidet, by the way. Yeah. The bidet uh, that was the best thing <laughs> yeah, that ever came true. out of the pandemic was the bidet. All right, all right. So let's switch gears a little bit. Okay. So speaking of hope, speaking of change, Ben. I know you've got oh. some giant news. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, we can talk about it a bit. I don't want to don't want to take over the show or anything, but so oh come on, if you remember? Oh, well, um, hold on, you you can take over the show when you have this big a news. Well, I do it. I do it on my own anyway, weekly. So what's <laughs> <laughs> new? We let Brian go on mean? a tirade. Let's let you go so, for a little bit. Uh, it was probably what two three months ago that. Uh, if folks recall, longtime listeners will probably recall, I had a, a design firm out of Austin, Texas, reach out to me and ask if I would be interested in working on a project with them 
in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was uh, a 32-story residential apartment building in downtown Atlanta in the, the like central business district revitalization project. And it was to do some leather uh, interior design fixture thing, something. Um, I struggle with how to very simply explain what it is, but it's basically belts of leather or strips of leather uh, hanging sort of like Venetian blinds or like vertical blinds. Is this like an S&M type <laughs> <No>. apartment complex? <laughs> What's going on here? Why do they need all this leather? You see Is there it? chains? See Did it? they it's order like, chains too? You see ben? it? it looks like maybe dog leashes like, and shit. Uh, it looks nothing like Dominatrix at all. It's kind of like <laughs> okay. They almost look like feathers. I'm not buying any of this. Um, but it's yeah, one of those these, people um, in Hotlanta are right? freaky, and it's, I think this is what's one of going those, on. Uh, so my my sister my sister in law actually <laughs> yeah Brita oh your Brita like Brita the works water there. filter like the water filter I will suck your cock. <laughs> ben, oh. keep going, keep going. Keep it PG thirteen. So my, all right? Come my, on, let's... my sister-in-law moved into uh, one of these types of apartment buildings in in New Jersey. So she was in Manhattan for a number of years, lived in downtown Manhattan, and recently they moved over to the Jersey side. and And it's one of these sort of, I don't know how to describe it other than like a millennial paradise because. It's like an apartment building, you know, big high-rise apartment building. But then on different floors, like they have a bowling alley. They have an indoor basketball court. They have a pool. They have a fucking oh, billiards hall. Why the hell is that millennial paradise? <clears throat> That's just paradise. Well, Avocado toast yeah, buffet. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, hippy-dippy, right. hoity-toity. Fucking, so it's one of these where all right. you pay, you know, several grand a year just to use the fucking amenities. Um, one of those kind of places. And so they often are like high design, high fashion design type shit, you know? And uh, so they reached out, wanted to know if I would be interested in doing it. Well, it, it was, it's a big project. I mean, I think, you know, the, 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 the bid was, yeah, it was, it was the biggest bid I have ever made on anything. Right. Um, it was like <laughs> annual salary kind of bid, you know, like, holy shit. So I, I spent about a week and put it together. I reached out to Buff over at Moonshine to pick his brain a little bit, and he helped me out. And re- Gotta love that. Reached out to other... Plugging into <clears throat> the patrons. Yeah, man. Reached out to other folks and, you know, uh, in the bid, I've never really bid any commercial work like that and this, that, the other thing. Sent the bid in. And never heard a word. Well, yesterday, (laughs) Christy and I meet. There's a financial advisor dude who they have access to through the school district. So we were in a meeting with him just coincidentally. And uh, I get this email from the folks uh, down in Texas. Hey, could you split your quote out and put labor on one and materials on the other? And uh, I got to start submitting purchase orders for all this stuff so we can get going. And I'm like, oh boy, do a double take. I'm like, so does this, wait, does this mean it's a go? You know? (laughs) So so I hand the phone to Christy and she reads it. She about loses her freaking mind. So turns out, got out of the meeting with the financial dude, gave her a call. She's like, yep. We liked your quote. Everything looks good. Split it out. We'll get started. I'll get you more info once I get the purchase order approved. But we are go for launch. So, hell yeah. I'll be installing 50 grand worth of leather in some hot box in Atlanta. There you go. <laughs> well, that is awesome news, man. That's that is pretty insanely cool. awesome news. Yeah. So, what's the deposit? I mean, you got to take a deposit for this, right? I, I mean, yeah. Like 50%. I, or that's something. what I don't. I don't see, I don't know. We haven't, we haven't had an opportunity to really chat those details just yet, but my standard is to always take 50 down. Um, I wouldn't take any it, less. There's no way I can take any less. Honestly, I've got to order, yeah, you, to buy all this shit. you know, uh, it ends up being, it's like 26 sides of leather. Right. So it's Whew. six. How much is a side of leather? Two fifty ish. You know, okay. so it's like seven grand worth of leather. <laughs> uh, 
Um, right. And then, and then all the, all the fasteners. And, yeah, right. So that's, and that's the just big one. Small is, portion of the whole so, thing. So um, the belts themselves are seven inches wide, but then they're segmented, and they're those segments are joined together with a square ring. Um, and those rings are like four. They're, they're like very specific to spec. So I'm actually working with Buckle Guy to have them actually cast the custom hardware for me. So they'll do that. I was wondering if you're going to go with a custom forge setup, but I mean, hmm. it sounds cool too. Yeah. Well, so they'll do it. They, they do custom hardware. Buckle guy does it. They have one service where it's like a minimum of a thousand piece order and another that's a minimum of a hundred. Um, and so basically you send them the CAD spec for it and they'll get your price but that's all there's 256 of those square rings and then there's another piece of hardware we'll have to make that will attach it to the ceiling and allow it to hang and so there's a lot of lot of lot of logistics there but also i'm in boise right so everything comes to me i'll build the belt things here and then i got to get them all the way to atlanta and then I've got to get myself right. to Atlanta with enough tools and enough everything else to do the install. And um, you should so, do this right around June. Uh, that way you're there well, for, for Blade be. Show. Here's, and we all hang it out. may be right around. Brian June. will donate some time. He'll come. He'll come to Blade Show yep. and then hell yeah, he'll work for it. May you. Be oh, right around. Oh, June. oh, you're you're willing to do that, Brian? That's so nice. Of you. <laughs> I was talking oh. about you, Brian. Oh, okay. well, I thought you're talking you got to nothing the third going person. On. Well, fuck, fuck <laughs> you guys. I was gonna hire Buff and have him come up so you guys can. <laughs> hey, all right. Oh shit. All right. Here's we'll, we'll just stand there and supervise. I'm used to that. I'll stand there and be like, okay, that one's a little longer than that it's gonna one. be All really right. interesting I, you know <clears throat> early on i caught up you know when when she sent me the message the initial email you know she's like she outlined a few details you know it's a standard 11 foot high ceiling and this and that and the other thing well as i dove in they had a whole there's a whole packet that came with it and it was um basically the spec sheet so it had architect drawings of the actual thing that they want made and it had all the hardware specs all the cad you know drawings all printed out on there it had the floor plan it had you know all it had inspiration images you know it had like a, a page full of images of uh, a similar type thing that somebody installed somewhere else um, and as i got looking at the elevation drawing i'm counting up <laughs> the numbers and i'm like that fucking ceiling is not 11 feet it's 24 feet and so that was the first i got you right like wait a minute literally twice yeah as much like this is of everything hanging 11 foot of leather compared to hanging 24 foot of fucking leather is a much different enterprise so we're still kind of going back and forth on all that but my bid is for 24 feet of leather so that's i'm covered you know but yeah. I had to figure oh, in everything I put news. in <clears throat> for folks that have never done it. I, I It was sort of complicated by the fact, A, that I'm in Boise and the job is in Atlanta, but also that the firm I'm working with is in Texas, you know, and, right. <clears throat> and then I started, it's a commercial job site, right? It's a huge 32 story building. So I don't know if I get there, if I'll even have access to a ladder, you know, I have no idea. So here's a question, Ben. Yeah. So you, obviously you have to stitch the leather in Boise because that's yeah. where your leather stitching situ setup is yeah. with the buckles. I mean, I'm sure you could probably get a sample sent to you, Yeah. but why don't you just have the buckles, the tools, the everything gets shipped down to Atlanta instead of double shipping. It's got to all get assembled here though. Although what? you can't assemble it there. No, no. See, you have a square ring, right? And you have a belt attached into one end of it and a belt attached to the other end of it. It's not like you could loop that hardware over it. So I've got to skive it and stitch it and glue it, you know, glue it and everything. So the, the 11 foot length of belt will be put together here, rolled up and then shipped there. Plus I don't have wow, a workshop space there. I just hope that the there. rolling doesn't. 
Oh my god! I, mean, I don't have a workshop well, it there sound, to deal it with. It sounds very complicated, but we're hats. glad. <laughs> yeah. That you got it. Yeah, it'd be you fun. Got the bid, and we're. I'm interested to hear how I'm gonna, it moves forward yeah. and progresses. Um, but hey, just because we are rolling, headed yep. into the very end of the show we'll here, believe it or not, my and my rant about the industrial revolution just overtook everything. But I'm very, I'm feeling very passionate about it's that good. subject. It's good. You should so, be. Um, we are making. I it wanted happen. to die. <laughs> we are making it happen. I want to jump into WFI projects real quick. Uh, we've got nine thousand six hundred and five projects crazy in about. Instagram under crazy. the hashtag WFI projects. And if you're making something and you'd like us to shout it out on the show, tag WFI projects on Instagram, and we will possibly see it. And I'm going to take the first one, and it's HT One Metalworks. Ooh. I don't know if you're following this person. Oh, that sounds familiar. And you know how I love non-knife making stuff. Mm-hmm. This person um, is all right. Let's see. He has no information on his on his Instagram. Put your but he fucking has name on there. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, Eleven hundred and forty-three followers on Instagram, but he does metal casting. Oh, nice! And what I really love about it is he shows a lot of the process and how he bulk batches all of these. Do you want um, to make some fucking leather hardware? <laughs> uh, dude, this brass and all his stuff is really top notch. If you look at his work, it's oh, amazing. Yeah. So uh, he's a specializes in U.S. Navy trench art using rare techniques to create unique art pieces. Nice. So, um, wow. I don't know your name, sir, but you wow. are doing amazing things. And uh, go check out H1. So HT1, like uh-huh. the number one. Metalworks, wow! On there, so I gotta give I gotta give our boy Brigham Brigham Kindell a little little shit here. He tags WFI projects, saying he's listening to his favorite show, Knife Talk. Yo, <laughs> come on, now. <laughs> bro! Just kidding, dude. That's that. And he funny. has a house made T shirt on too. He's like a walking <laughs> uh, uh, contradiction. <laughs> Our short fat friend. Short, fat friend. I love it. <laughs> I've got, as always, we're always shouting out abstract Brett blacksmith, uh, Lando. Yeah. Great dude, great guy. He's doing these. It looks like copper roses. These, I mean, I've seen people do forged roses before, but this is probably the most like yeah. realistic looking. He does an incredible forged rose. Yeah, it's amazing. It truly is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, go check him out. He's a great guy. He's a great listen on the podcast. Forgeside chat, right? Yep. Forgeside chat. Yep. yep. Forgeside yeah. chat. And a few episodes back, I was struggling. My old man brain was struggling uh, listening or listing out all the podcasts I listen oh, to. Man. Listen to makeshift. I left out. Oh, which is Corey and Chris. Good show. Um, those guys are really coming yeah. into their own with that. It's really fun. Really, really good. Uh, and also the. Um, Forge side chat, mm-hmm. which I listen to uh, pretty much every episode. They're, they're, you know, I, I, I bounce around a lot because there's so much great content. Yeah. And then I found a new one. Let me Ooh. just get in. Oh, while, you're, while you're looking that up, go ahead. I want to shout I, out uh, the Knife Perspective. That's another great yeah. show. Knife Perspective and, with yeah. KH Daily Knives, Kyle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So do you guys know who TJ Schwarz is? He so uh, uses the handle on on um, Instagram knife dot designer, and I don't okay. even know if yes, he knows who we I are, follow, or what we do, or whatever. Follow. Is he in okay. Idaho? He's in Idaho. He's the yeah, I was guy gonna bring for this up CRKT, right? He, he's yes, yeah. he is. Okay. You got it exactly. Yeah, yeah. So they have a podcast, yep. and it's not that old. It's, it's like YouTube just been only, just, isn't it? Or no, is you it can now? get it on Spotify. Okay, cool. It's called edge and flow edge and flow podcast and it's really fucking good and they're knife makers and these guys talk about a bunch of shit see they're knife makers and they're not in our circle so it's interesting to listen to their perspective because they're using a lot of cnc different stuff and i found him on youtube initially yeah but if you want to see some really great content tj is awesome on youtube hardly has any followers i know 
I don't even know how his content's so good. He's got a great personality. I, I'm going to try to wedge myself onto their show. I think I ch- so I've I chatted can, um, with him, and yeah. actually at one point I think I might have even talked to him about coming on our show. So yeah, um, well, he'd be a great interview. I mean, the guy the guy's really well versed, and he's a full time knife maker. Yeah. So there yeah. was one. Oh, show. speaking of interviews, I want to go off on the interviews for a little bit. I'm just finally settling in. I might be able to start doing interviews again. So. If you're out there, I know I had a big long list of people that wanted to jump on. I mean, get get in contact with me. Let's get those things back going. Yeah, I'm ready to interview again. Sounds good. There was one more. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out L Orange Bittenspur Lorange Bittenspur. That yep, that's cool. And I am I am fascinated that people make spurs yeah. and like belt buckles. People use the some bitches too. Grave. You know, it's crazy. And I don't know how he find w, found WFI projects, but he did, and he hashtagged it. And a, a day ago, he's making spurs, and he's dude. That looks like killer. a bit, isn't it? I think that's oh, a it bit is a bit there, right. but yeah, it's that whole um, the whole Western world is uh, there's a lot more of that that goes on than I think anybody can comprehend fascinating right i mean looking at this guy's feed it's fascinating he has 685 it's like what the fuck i mean you know but unbelievable you know what i'm seeing in the leather industry in particular just as an indication that the western way of life is uh is strong is that uh like hand tooling on leather is making a pretty significant comeback uh, okay. You know, even in like higher fashion, right, where you spend time with stamps and actually tool patterns into the leather, that kind of fancy schmancy looks like a saddle bullshit. But that's really becoming more and more popular. We'll look at the hand engraving stuff, too, right? Like the Evan, the hand engraver dude who's just does a bang up job on engraving work. And that that kind of scrolly work is making a little bit of a comeback. And it's kind of cool to well, see. Well, because now, like with lasers, you can yeah, true, do that true shit that. pretty quick. Yeah. But the hand stuff is is yeah, it's hard to get hand every notch. night, you know. Hey no, hey no, <laughs> bro, bruh, bruh. Anybody else? Anybody else in the in the list for WFI? Otherwise, yeah. I'm gonna go. We're I've gonna got Ben Ben dot Jammin underscore McDaniel. What? That's crazy. Oh, Ben Jammin. Ben Jammin, he's a great dude. He's been working with this uh, height gauge. It looks like it's 3D printed. It's a really cool, because I have always needed a height gauge, and I've I've needed to get one for a while. I love the fact that he's gotten this 3D printed model, and I've it's, I mean, few, uh, what more do you need than that little hunk of plastic? And, you know, it's, it's a tool that is a good little 3D printed replacement yeah. tool you know have you seen them though oh, oh, the micro jig uh, one from micro jig um you probably haven't because it's a pretty specific woodworking tool but i think it it may do what you're looking for in terms of height but it's kind of a center finder slash height finder so you you find the thickness of your board and then you can take that very same tool over to your table saw and set the blade height and i'll send you a link it's kind of it's clever as shit man when I saw That's it, I was like, cool. fuck. Check out. I want to shout out uh, W. Scott, 1987, my buddy yeah, over at uh, T.S. Steelworks. Cool so you know how he makes those ball vice, yep. Swivel hold, vice. Or holders or whatever? Swivel vice thing. I messaged him because I saw the the he's got these parrot vices mm-hmm. on his and he very graciously is sending me one uh, because I absolutely need that in my life. They are cool. And uh, the green ones, freaking you mean? rad, the green... right? Yeah. Well, I bought the vice. He's sending me the the part to make it work oh, nice. with my ball vice. Yeah. And oh. uh, and then we're making like a custom um, amount for my fireball table, so we, we, you know it'll slide into the oh, dogs. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, he should get yeah, that over to cool. what's his name with fireball, man. That... Fireball man, yeah, for sure. Jason can make those. Yeah. Yeah. All right, fellas. uh, We are an hour in. I have a dad joke here. Hold on. Yeah, let's do it. Man, I got so many. Goddamn. There's like so many good ones too that people sent over to me. Um, And Steve Grillo, by the way, he's like the king of these. And he sent me a good one. (laughs) He sends them to me. In different places, so I have to like. Okay, um, 
Uh, I want okay. <laughs> huh. um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Poop jokes aren't my favorite kind of joke. But okay. they're a solid number two. <laughs> you know what? I, I wonder what my parents did to fight boredom before the internet existed. I'll have to ask my 18 brothers and sisters if they know either. <laughs> hey, Brian, what do you call an underwater dog? What do you call an underwater dog? A subwoofer. Subwoofer. <laughs> Getting a little weak in the lips there, Brian. <laughs> so, <laughs> actually, this is kind of something a little bit different. So, I'm using a different trombone today. Mm. This is so you know how when you move and all of a sudden you're finding shit from all like oh, yeah. your past that you completely forgot about. Yeah, I forgot that in high school I bought a soprano trombone. So this is this is basically oh. a mad. It's it's the exact same note range as a trumpet. Okay. But it's styled as a trombone, so it's a slide. So I'm fu- just fucking around does, with that a little bit. That's not quite as deep as a trombone, is it? Is oh yeah, little... not. Well, no, yeah, it's it's a trumpet. It's yeah. it's that high range, and a I trombone's played the kind trumpet of that for a little range. while. I tried to. Actually, it was the. It wasn't a trumpet I had. I had a cornet, which was my papa's that he played in the military. And oh, uh, nice. I played it for about two years, I think, in grade school band, and then. I think my parents have just had enough of that fucking dying animal in the attic every night, you know. Trumpet's a loud well, instrument sounds, to learn when you're a kid. It sounds really good when you're good at yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why I bought a piano and a guitar for my kids. <laughs> Even bad guitar sounds okay. <laughs> it's true, it's true. All right, so we're moving into the Patreon messages. After last week, we got a whole bunch of uh, Patreon messages in, and one of the things, one of the people I wanted to shout out, Brian, you mentioned this in one of your stories. I started doing the shout-outs. On Sundays, I'm doing, I'm like basically picking somebody, and I'm just going to share their work to my stories and shout them out and, and talk about why I actually love their work and their Yo. hustle and whatever else we and need so to make I'm this gonna, a thing we need to absolutely I'm, make yeah. this a thing shout out sundays in the story shout out sunday oh i like that Super brian sunday. we'll use that shout out sunday sos shout out sunday yeah and um so the who i decided to shout out in the last at last sunday was knives by nuge Great and dude. i don't know Full if you know now, um Full it's steve time. right steve nugent yep. um he he was a uh, New Jersey police officer, and it just so co- it just so happened that the day that I decided to shout him out, the next day he was resigning from his full time <laughs> yeah. position at New Jersey in the New Jersey Police Department to become a full time knife maker. And here's here's the reason why I sort of knew this was coming. I mean, of course, you can't really tell when, but when you look at his work and you see how clean it is and how much time he dedicates to it. And he's also a full-time police officer. Remember this. He's working in his garage. He's doing this work. Super clean. But what does he do? He Half of his job is to make what he's making, which he does a really good job at it. And the other half, he's selling the living shit out of it. Every single knife drop that he comes up with, it's sold. He sells out. Why do you think that is? He's really good at talking about it, sharing it to the nth degree, not giving a shit about anybody or what they think. He just goes and does it, and he sells the living shit out of his knives. And uh, I saw the hustle, so I was like, hey, man, I want to shout you out. I appreciate you. I started sharing his stuff, and it turns out the next day he resigned from his job to become a full-time knife maker. What are the chances? Uh, so we see. What are the chances? <laughs> see what you we made see him do, you. Brian? I uh, know, right? I think the decision <laughs> the was Brian made Bob. long before I had anything to do with it. No, yes. man. You shouted <laughs> him like out, and he was credit. like, oh, wait, I'm going big time. Fuck here it, it I'm is. Out. Yeah, he's like, he's you know what? after you. <laughs> Turned in his service revolver. He's like, he's done with it. He's yeah. like, I'm out. So anyway, we appreciate you, dude. And congratulations. Yeah. Go check out Knives by Nuge on Instagram. And that's N-U-G-E, Knives by Nuge. Um, all right. So getting into the patron question of the week. Matt Bicker from DIY Europe. He's the guy that is my European distributor for all of the house-made equipment Um he has a question for us. He says, I've noticed that the European maker community isn't as close, and he uses quotes I've around close, that. as the community in the U.S. 
since all of the Europeans have uh, different nationalities and it's a little harder to find common ground on non-maker related things. So now here's the question. How can or what can we and you all as key figures in the maker space do to bring us all more together? Mm. P.S. I love the show. You guys are the perfect mix for fun listen every single Thursday. Please don't ever stop, Matt Picker. Thanks, brother. That is an excellent question. Yeah. And uh, you will be surprised at my response. Shocked. And it might not be the most popular opinion. There's five reasons. Wait for number four. That's the one that (laughs) will blow your mind. (laughs) Bet you can't eat just one. Smart Europeans do this to stay closer (laughs) together in the maker community. They use this one secret tip. Let's fucking wrangle Star's angle now. Everything is what the U.S. (laughs) Forest Service does. You got fucking fired from the Forest Service. Listen. Have you just completely dropped off the face of ever watching any of his yeah, content anymore? Because I me. have. I can't he, get past it. I'm sorry. It. Look, he's lost me. It's such bullshit. I'm sorry. I love Wrangler Star, but he knows it, what he's doing. But the man is a scam artist. I'm sorry. I'll say it. <laughs> he's fucking scamming everybody. And he knows it, and, he and knows it's funny, it, and, and I think it's great. He tells you that he is right to your he's face. He's like, you shouldn't listen to me. I got fired from this yeah. job, but let me tell you why. Yeah. It's the best job in the and world. He claims yeah. And he speaking got- of scam artists, join our Patreon to listen to the yeah. after show. All right, guys, let's go into it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, we know that you're out there working for it this week, because if you're listening to this show, you're most definitely in the camp that we are. Yeah. So thank you for your support. We appreciate it. I'm going to fuck up the end, but I got to do got this. It. I got to say this. We know that you're a hard worker. We know that you got what it takes to make it happen. That's why you're listening to the Work For It podcast. We are going to move on to the after show. We appreciate you. We love you. And see you on the flip side. Onwards, boys. Let's go. Let's go to the after show. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. Wrangle Star's a fucking con artist. (laughs) 